You see villages in Fiji, for example, that are very off the grid. And it's just amazing how happy these people are. And they don't have anything. They might not have electricity. In, in some French Polynesian islands, they don't have water. So basically they collect rainwater because there is no fresh water anywhere. And you meet them somewhere on the street and they just invite you. And, and you know, they are so open and nice to you. Um, and that's, for, for me, that's fascinating because they seem very, very happy. And then when I come home and meet with my friends or, or yeah, former, former colleagues from work, they seem unhappy, but they have so much. So you just wonder, right, what, what, what makes you happy? And, and I think it's very subjective. For everyone, it's something different. Sure. Um, but that's, that's really one of the great lessons I, I learned yeah. during traveling. You, know? you need well, to find your yeah. own thing that makes you happy. I would also say the main value of that is basically the value of chance encounters. Mm. Elaborate, please. Well, ultimately, we are here because of a chance encounter. Amazing, yeah. So, and, and that's about it. And the chance encounters could be uh, people we meet, uh, places we visit only because of chance encounters, yeah. uh, experiences we have. And without those chance encounters, or without the openness for that flexibility, we wouldn't have that. Yeah. What did you decide when you saw those people in Fiji? And you're going, you're happy. What did you decide actually makes them happy? <laughs> it's it's hard to tell. I would I would say, well, I, I think it's really speculation here. What what? But, but one thing is probably the sense of community, yeah. you know, to, to be together. But I also think if you do not compare yourself constantly to other people or to things you see on the internet, yeah. that might be helpful as well. Yeah. Welcome, dear listeners, and thank you, thank you, thank you for joining yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. Hey, can you excuse my singing for a moment? Listen to this. I am sailing. I am sailing. Now, my guess, you're allowed to join me. <laughs> They're laughing. I'm not a singer. I'm not a singer. <laughs> I am sailing. I am sailing. Vicky, join me. I can't hear you. Home again. Across the sea. You're listening. You, you poor people out there, you must be wondering what the heck is going on here. Well, let me tell you a glorious story. I love it when these podcasts evolve in the most unusual and mysterious ways. There is a, um, a wonderful social pub arena in Brisbane down near the Gateway Bridge and even if you're overseas and I'm letting you know Brewdog is a place to go on most nights of the week it's a uh, it's a wonderful brewery underneath one of our major bridges anyway there I was having done a beautiful afternoon walk across the enormous Gateway Bridge and I'm just standing very politely in line waiting to uh, order my drink when this young man um, comes up uh, beside me. Well, he was just behind me there and typical of Bernie, I couldn't help myself. I started conversation and can't believe it when Flori Florian, is that it or is it Florin? It's Florian. Florian. Florian Grassel. He introduces me himself and he just announces to me, that he's in Brisbane at the moment with his yacht and they're getting repairs because they have been sailing around the world <laughs> pre-COVID. Well, folks, you can imagine how my imagination went absolutely wild because I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are their experiences with the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> their experiences with nature, their experiences with life? And I just said politely to him, do you mind if I come back and join you for a little bit of dinner? 
And there it was a few minutes later. And then I met the lovely Vicky Whistler. How did I go there? Did I get that right, Vicky? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, nicely, nicely. Vicky Whistler. Very close, yeah. yeah. And Florian Russell. And they are married. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Despite the, the difference in the uh, in the surname, and uh, they have been sailing the world. Hey, why am I telling this story, please, Vicky? Can I revert to you, please? When did you start this massive sailing exhibition? It started pre-COVID, true? Well, we bought the boat prior to COVID. Yes, um, in uh, November nineteen. Right. With the intention to start sailing with the boat uh, in July 20. Okay. And then okay. in March 20, basically, countries shut down due to COVID. Yes. And uh, our boat was in Italy at that time. Right. So we are, we are Austrians uh, yes. living in Germany. And the boat was in Italy because Austria is a landlocked country. So Can you stop there, please? What, 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 you're Austrians living in Germany and the boat is locked in Italy. Just, <laughs> yeah, right. just a little explain a vu, please. <laughs> yeah. So we are we are both Austrians and grew up in Austria, um, and then job wise ended up living in Germany, south of Munich. I see, I see, I see. And when we decided uh, we want to buy a sailboat, well, the closest coast to us uh, would be the Italian coast in the Adriatic okay, Sea. Okay, okay. So we of actually, course, yeah. We actually found a boat there, um, which was then located in, in Italy. Right, okay. Which we bought, yeah. And what's it called? It's called Ibex. Ibex? Yeah. Now, I saw Ibex this afternoon. <laughs> I've got this vision of it being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, Florian, it's nothing more than a little cork from the top of one of my wine bottles. <laughs> Is it legal? <laughs> Well, of course it's legal. There is no, uh, there is no law that says uh, you have to have a boat minimum size X, Y, Z. And, uh, despite you saying it's little, I mean it weighs like uh, fourteen and a half tons loaded. Wow, so wow. if you think of an RV yeah. uh, with fourteen and a half tons, that's probably, I mean, that's already a big RV yeah, when, in, in when, that sense, right? When you say an RV like a motorhome. Oh, motorhome, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yes, 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 so yeah. think of a motorhome with fourteen and a half tons. Yeah. Um, obviously, there is a part of that weight which goes to the keel and stuff like that you wouldn't have in a motorhome but still i mean it's as a as a living space it's uh, it's actually quite comfortable for two people but yes in a big wide ocean it's still a small it's a, still a small <laughs> piece of uh, yeah plastic actually yes it's a it's a grp type boat yeah well we've got a taste of the 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 fantastic story we haven't dug into the details of the story but i think the story has to go back a few years. There's got to be a why. Um, the reason, the reason why two people pack up pre-COVID. Yes, pre-COVID you left. Yeah. No, we left during COVID. During COVID. So after the first wave, first wave of okay. COVID. Yeah. What, what month and year again was that? Uh, we left in August 20. 20, okay. So you've really been on the water. It's now May 23. We're approaching two and a half years, just a little bit more. Yeah. So what were you doing in Germany? You said that you were um, you're Austrians living in Germany. Job work took you to Germany. Whatever you're doing in Germany, you decided to give that up so that you could get on the water. I was um, I was working in a pharmaceutical company, yeah, uh, and I was leading uh, de the development of uh, pharmaceutical drugs okay. with uh, different teams. Yeah, and I have to say I really enjoyed my job, yeah. and I know I could, or back then I knew I could do that the next twenty years. Yeah, the question for me was just you know if I do that the next twenty. 20 years, was that it? Or is there something else out there in life? Yeah. So I figured, I mean, if we want to go sailing, it would be lovely to do it now where we are healthy, where we can move, you know, you, you never know when you are, when you are retired, what's, what's your health life? What, what's your family situation? So yeah. we figured yeah. it would be a good time to do it now and yeah. then do the rest of the 20 years <laughs> later on. So, so you're in a pharmaceutical company, mm. Florian, what are you doing? 
The past, um, I've been more than 10 years before going on to this trip, I was working for a, a strategy consulting firm uh, for one of the big ones in the world, um, which was yeah quite intense. I enjoyed that job, but, I, yeah. but it was also um, a good time to say, well, that, that was that. It was a great experience, and now there is a new chapter in life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're an engineer? By background or original training, I'm yeah. I'm an electrical engineer, and originally worked uh, worked as an engineer, and I moved more and more into like a business business and business management yeah. type of roles, and uh, that's what also brought me into management consulting, and that's what yeah. I did for yeah. quite a while. Yeah. Vicky, nail it. That is, you're very very happy in your job back then, and now it's seeded that you're going to turn your back on that job, and you're going to hop on Ibec. <laughs> And you're going to start this uh, massive experience. But it wasn't really meant to be a massive experience at start. The original plan was? So our original plan was to do Atlantic Circuit. That basically means uh, going through the Mets, crossing the Atlantic to the Caribbean, spending a season, which is about half a year, in the Caribbean. And then coming back with the wind um, that's normally in April, May, it's the right time to come back to Europe. So that was the the initial plan of what we wanted to do. So at, at the time, leaving leaving the job was on the basis or a, a vision that you'd be away for approximately a year and you're likely to come back to the same job? Well... We thought it will take like a year, one and a half. Yeah. But then we we knew we well we could finance it for up to four years. Wow. And since you never know with weather and how it is, um, how long it will actually take, yeah. um, we we decided rather to quit our jobs than just to have a sabbatical. Yeah. So we went out without any right to come back to the same job or the same company. Wow. Okay. Or to put it in a bit other words, I think so. We we wanted to have the option to go longer, yeah. but we didn't want to commit to more than about a year and a half, yeah, yeah. originally. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but with you, Florian, I've got this feeling that y- you were quite ready to leave the job and want to do something very different. Um, the The attachment to the job, even though you liked it and you enjoyed it, it was time um, and uh, you, were, you were ready for something of significant different. But with you, Vicky, this was a fairly big decision because you just said before you could see yourself in that job for 20 years and you were turning your back on that. I still want to come down to the reason why. <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, looking back, it sounds so easy, but it, in that situation, it was really a difficult decision for me. Yeah. Um, but then it was really giving myself the time to reflect on what I have done in the past and what do I want to do in the next 20 years of my work life. Yeah. I mean, if I work, I go in all the way. I don't have the mental capacity to think beyond it anymore so taking that time out and and yeah spending time thinking about what i want to do in the future while sailing this sounded like a real good thing now the catch is now i'm so focused on sailing that i do not think about what do i want to work the next 20 years yet so 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 that in itself (laughs) is a uh, is a fascinating topic because i think you're you're alluding to the way that this adventure has impacted you, it, it has affected you. And um, do you see yourself going back to a similar career or do you don't think that's possible now? <laughs> it's a really good question. I ponder about myself and yeah. I have no conclusive answer to it yet. Yeah. Uh, I do know that I enjoyed it. I enjoy yeah. working with people. I yeah. enjoy doing something where I feel there is a greater purpose behind it. Yeah. I'm not sure if it needs to be the same job or could yeah. be something similar. And, yeah. and, and I leave that open because it sure. really depends where things are yeah. when yeah. we come back. Yeah. Tell us about your love of nature. You, you referred to it just then in a, 
in a in a very strong way. Uh, how do you, what do you draw from nature that's so valuable to you? I think it's the calmness. Yeah. It's the it it's the calmness, and then it's the variety. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always astounded mm. what is there. No matter if we are we are on land or in the water. I mean, yeah. the weirdest for me is still one of the weirdest animal out there is a hammerhead shark. Yeah. I mean, just looking at its shape, you just wonder how can nature come up with with an animal like that? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, if, if, I'm I'm always joking and saying. It's like a child drawing, you know. A child is drawing something funny, and you have a hammerhead shark. <laughs> Where did you so see it? We saw them in uh, Galapagos yeah. when when we went diving. Well, that's interesting <clears throat> too, isn't it? Because there's some other animals in the Galapagos that are quite odd shapes. <laughs> yeah, you have. Over, uh, yeah. Over time. I mean, yeah. the Galapagos is like going back millions of years. Yeah. I mean, they 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 have no. No native uh, mammals on land there, yeah. so, yeah. and you can find penguins in mm. the middle, in the middle of the, of the Pacific. That's um, amazing. At the equator, they are yeah. the furthest north penguins yeah. out there. But the Galapagos followed the Caribbean. You you were in the Caribbean first. You were heading that way when we last heard the story. What? How did it end up in the Caribbean? What was when you arrived into the Caribbean? What was that experience like? How long did you stay in the Caribbean? Well, in a nutshell, it was pretty cool. Um, so we we arrived in the Caribbean from from the Atlantic crossing in like early December 2020, yeah. and um, so we we spent a season cruising the Caribbean. We basically so we made landfall in St. Lucia, um, if some people know it, and then cruised up north all the way to Antigua and Barbuda, and then yeah. back south to to Grenada, until like around June 2021. Yeah. Uh, because then about hurricane season starts wow, and you okay. want to be kind of out of the yeah. hurricane belt. And uh, so we stored the boat for hurricane season in uh, in Grenada and uh, flew home for a couple of months visiting family oh, and friends. Oh, okay. You didn't realize you did that. Yes. Yeah. And then and then we came back and continued from Grenada via, via the Los Rocks. It's an archipelago which uh, belongs to Venezuela and the ABC Islands, uh, Colombia yeah. to Panama and went through the, through the Panama Canal. Um, so we went to, through Panama Canal in what was that February 2022. Yeah. Um, so that's that's about the, overall the time we spent in the Caribbean. But the most the most time sort of sort of the cruising part of sailing in the Caribbean is around what we did around the the the, the, the Lesser Antilles, yeah. um, which is sort of the typical cruising grounds in the in the Caribbean. I would argue for for yes. many people there is other places as well you can go and go cruising in the Bahamas yeah. and so on and so yeah. forth as well. That we we didn't do that. It was a bit. The selection was a bit, well, decided by COVID, yeah. basically. Um, but we had a lot of fun, and the, and the advantage of COVID in that case was there were no people, no tourists, no <laughs> cruise ship, no other ships. Um, we entered some of the countries with just a handful of other boats, and yeah. and that was it. And people yeah. were very welcoming. They they obviously were happy that tourists were coming back and spending some money and so on and so forth. So you were feeling this 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 silence, this peace, this calm, this quietness on the ocean, and then you hit land <laughs> looking for a party, and there's no one there. <laughs> yeah, admittedly, we are we are not the big party people in that sense so yeah. we don't we don't need a big party to be happy and uh, there is always a few sailors and local people around have like a small yeah. party or so so that uh, that was fine for us so uh, we 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 can't complain in the sense of that we wouldn't have like a, a sufficient uh, social yeah. life yeah. Uh, so that was uh, that was great as well yeah. i mean we knew people from from sailing and uh, been around some of the locals and um, and just enjoyed life yeah. out doing island hopping and uh, but it was, I mean, from a from a tourism stand of standpoint, it, it was probably as it was. I don't know how many decades before, as there were no other tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned something really interesting. You said you you parked the, the ibex ibex mm, yeah, ibex in uh, in the Granada, and you went home to family for two months. So, how long? When you went home to family, how long was that after you started? Was that a year, a year and a half? Uh, it was pretty much a good year. Yeah, okay. pretty much a year. Yeah. This is interesting for me. When you went home to family, was what 
What type of experience was that? <laughs> you've been at sea, you've crossed the Atlantic. Um, and then a year later, you, you, you go back to family. Did it have difference? Was it, um, was it just a normal experience as if you'd left them yesterday? Um, or was there some difference in the encounter, the experience of feeling family? I think that for me, there were a few things different. Um, one is my view on people in terms of how they live their lives. Yeah. And I was I was amazed. I mean, I was in the treadmill before, and a lot of my life was my work. Yeah. And seeing that now mirrored back from other people was really interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, I met with people, and normally we talked a lot about work and business, yeah. and and we moved that conversation a little bit, yeah. but not due to the other person, but rather due. To me, because my topics were just different ones, yeah. so I think that was an in, that that was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Galapagos, eh? Do you learn a lot from the island? Do you learn a lot about humankind? Do you learn a lot about history? Do you learn a lot about your place in the history of of of, of mankind? I mean, so here's the thing that gets hammered into you on such a trip <laughs> about mankind. And we all know it. We all know it because we have, we've been like in history lessons in school and so on. But it's mind-boggling what colonialism did to the world. What? Who? Colonialism. Colonialism. Yeah. 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 Because it doesn't matter where you go, you always find cannons on a hill. Yeah. And it's always kind of a sight. Yeah. Uh, that like the countries argue, yeah, you have to go to that four and there's the cannons there and the cannons there. And it's just amazing that how much time mankind spent fighting in this world. Yeah. Uh, and you still see it everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. And when you, when you see that, does that sort of like just make you shake your head, shake your head and wonder why that happened? Yeah, of course. And in a way, it's still not different. Yeah. I mean, Yes, yeah. there's still still a lot of that going on. Yeah. Uh, so that's re I, I, I don't know. At least for me, that was it, it was a, kind of this one theme where I must admit, when I was I don't know ten years back on a vacation, and and you look up I don't know you you visit the country, you you look up your travel guide, and it says oh there is a, a nice four, and that four has a few, and there's cannons there, and whatsoever I don't know, yeah. and and most likely we will, we would have also gone there and and, yeah, and yeah. looked at it. On this trip, after a while, I was like, okay, I don't want to see any cannons anymore. <laughs> because of what it represented? Yeah, I mean, the whole history. It's yeah. just about bloodshed. Yeah. For, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's beyond uh, this discussion it's to go into the details for yeah. why and so on. But uh, yeah. there is this one place in, uh, it's actually uh, the place where we made landfall after the three weeks coming from Galapagos, uh, going into French Polynesia, Polynesia the... Uh, it's an island group which is called the Marquesas, and um, we went into what's called Nukuhiva. That's sort of the it was the point of entry and the only point of entry coming from uh, the east into French Polynesia at that time. And they also had one of these fours there, a French four, obviously. But they, um, uh, how you, how you say, they bulldozed that away completely. Yeah. And used that it's on a little hill in the in the bay, so it has a nice overlook. So they removed everything. There was there was no stones of a of a wall anymore, no cannons, no nothing. And um, they built a, a huge uh, uh, they built a huge tiki, which is a Polynesian figure basically. Mm. So it's like the local ancient culture. Mm. So they basically reclaimed that spot of land wow, into okay. their local culture. Yeah. And I found that quite uh, uh, quite interesting and great actually that they did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vicky, um, the Galapagos is. Um, I, I mean, I've never been, not been there. The, 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 the animal, the, uh, the, the, the history that if I googled it and I, I learned something about Galapagos, they would refer to the. Um, is it the archaic? Is it, is it the history of the, the animals that are still on the island? What, what does that teach you? What is that experience like? How does that awaken you? when you see these animals that were around like uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I think I, th I think it is. Yeah. It's 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 really going back in time. I mean, you see yeah. iguanas, which which they they can be like almost a meter in size if you if you consider the tail as well, and they look like little dragons without wings. Yeah. And I can really imagine. I mean, all these figures from fantasy books coming uh, coming to life there. It's yeah. uh, it's it's very it's very fascinating. It's also a very, very rough place. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of stone, you have a lot of lava. I mean, the volcanoes, there are still active volcanoes. Yeah. Of all the Galapagos Islands, there are hardly any people living there. Most of it is really nature reservoir, and you cannot even go there because it's a very hostile environment. And still, the animals found a way to to live there, which yeah. is which is really impressive. And I think also w one of the reasons why Darwin was so fascinated with it and studied the evolution um, of the finks there, because it was so far away from land that everything evolved by itself. There yes. was no exchange to to the mainland. Yeah. So it's a it's it, it's a great place to be to see how. How nature can evolve under very harsh and desperate conditions. What did it teach you? Look, 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 look what's your takeaway from that? Uh, what is that? What information does that give to Vicky about her existence? I think that we can. That we can always find a way how yeah. to move forward. Yeah. This, despite what the conditions are yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had a really interesting experience only three weeks ago i was trekking to everest base camp uh, and i was being passed left right and center by all these people <laughs> who've got the two walking sticks out and they're on their destination journey <laughs> they've got to get to lobber show they've got to get to pangbo show because their ultimate aim is everest base camp Anyway, I, I, having done it nine times, I'm still like a little bit over that. You know, to me, getting to Everest Base Camp is just taking another step, and you'll get there. And today is a day it's still to enjoy these glorious mountains. But I had this magnificent experience of looking around 7,000 metre peaks, and I don't know what their geographical age is. I'm making it up now. But I could have been in the presence of rocks that were a million years old, maybe, maybe 10 million years old. And I just found that absolutely fascinating because I wondered over that time span, who else walked here? What other animals were here? Who am I sharing this with? And it sort of like gave me this incredible sense of being part of something I'm so small <laughs> and yet I felt part of something much greater does, does Galapagos give you that feeling because it sort of like represents this incredible stretch of time in which these living things once flourished and now they're still here I don't think Galapagos per se gives, gives me that feeling yeah. for me it's rather the ocean it itself yeah. so the the water in between the islands yeah. that gives me that kind of feeling you know just mm. to just to be just to think where where does the water coming from yeah. i mean it, you know it's now it's sea it it evaporates again it becomes a cloud uh, it might rain down somewhere on land becomes a sea a, mm. a lake or maybe a river before so i think that's yeah. that's a part i find really fascinating yeah. Vicky, is Florian a karma person as a result of him having these experiences of space and time? <laughs> <laughs> well, of the two of us, Florian was always the calm person. So that, that was not uh, the question. <laughs> <laughs> what did you notice? No, What's changed? Not changed. I don't like the word change. What's shifted in Florian that you've noticed as a result of this experience? I think, I mean, I cannot 
it's for me hard to say what changed inside of him. But what I can say that our interaction has has changed a lot. I mean, we knew each other before already a very long time, but the way we interact now is still different. We pay more. I, I feel we pay more attention to each other. We are way more in tune with each other, listening more to each other not just verbally, but also what's the mood of the other person. So I think a change would be, you know, to be more attentive, not just to your surrounding in general, because you automatically begin to do that when you're sailboat, Mm. but also to your, to your partner. And of, of course, that's, that's the most I, I, I see in the daily interaction. Well, what about the skill of, of, of listening um, I think you actually alluded to that when you said um, more attention or, or more attentive but just comment a little bit more on how has that space and time this experience how has it enhanced or has it one's desire to listen to truly listen to truly understand through listening well I can I can just speak for myself, before I rather had the feeling that I need to express myself strongly and I need to share everything that's going through my mind, now I don't have that feeling anymore. Uh-huh. And and by not expressing that much, it gives me way more capacity to listen to others. Yeah. And I'm also a lot more open to listen to others and to interact with others. Yeah. And that's and, and, and I think that's a that's a big change, at least at least for me, right? That that gives me the opportunity to understand people better, their their point of view, to yeah, be have have more compassion with others sure. even. Yeah. 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 I, I think this, what I'm about to ask, is a bit of an odd question because I'm asking both of you to hop off the boat um, for a moment, um, which is a bit of a problem because I left you in the middle of the Pacific <laughs> before. But hop off the boat because we've got 4,000 listeners on the, the other end of this podcast and they're not on a boat. But if they want the same outcome that you're talking about. You mentioned the word compassion there. You mentioned the word attentiveness to each other. Do you have an advising, um, a, a thought, a suggestion? Um, they're not going to do it through a boat. So how do they learn these this, this existence? How do they move into this state? Do they... Do they? How do they search for that space? Well, I'd argue first of all, the the boat is not essential to it. I, I would say, well, I mean, we we have chosen a certain way of travel because we were interested in it, and uh, it just gives us sort of a different view of the world compared to traveling on land. But that that in itself is, I would argue, not essential in terms of getting into a different uh, pace of life and hence reflecting in a different way and and uh, becoming calmer or I think there's yeah. different phrases and I think it's also very subjective which which brings me to the second point I think there is a lot of subjectiveness it's very personal sort of how and what to choose uh, uh, to go along such a path and that could be very different things for different people I'd mm. argue um, I think for both of us uh, it has a lot to do with nature I think for us it would work in the same way if it's not on a boat, but if we, I mean, that could be with a motorhome or it could be actually hiking Mm -hmm. or it could, it it could be different. Uh, So I think for us the essential boat is not, uh, the essential thing is not a boat, but rather um, a different pace than in a, uh, I don't know, if I go to the extreme, I would call it like a treadmill type of life with a typical job. office every day and a full schedule of meetings and I don't know what. Um, so a reduced pace of life uh, paired with nature in our case, because I think for both of us, that's that's one means of, uh, yeah, of, of, of um, 
of getting different perspectives, of getting that space and time mm -hmm. to, to reflect um, and hence um, be a bit calmer, hence be a bit more relaxed, be a bit more balanced, yeah. um, be, be sort of in a better mood on average yeah, uh, yeah. in a sense of that if something doesn't work or if uh, someone is angry with us or so that it doesn't... Uh, uh, has that much of an influence, yeah, and we, sure. we we deal uh, we deal more easily with like uh, curveballs that life throws us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I think the key is to take some time. Yeah. So really, and it, it might not matter if it's you find the time during the day just to you know be with yourself. Or if you say you go somewhere for a weekend, um, but but for me it's always always to think not to pressure myself, not to say you know these five things I want to do, yeah. but rather to let it evolve. You might yeah. have an idea what you want to do or where you want to go, yeah. but then if something comes along the way to be open for it and to say, okay, well, that seems like a nice thing to do yeah. and just go with the flow and see yeah. what it does to you. Because I, I always have the feeling like I was in my past, you know, I'm very dedicated. I have a clear path. I know what my next step is. So I'm really a little bit like, like you know, a horse that just looks straight and cannot look right and left. And and now with having an idea where I want to go, but being open for all the things in my environment, yeah. um, um, that gives a lot more opportunity to find out what do I enjoy and yeah. what are things I don't like that mm. much. And and maybe to add to that, it can be little things. Like, I mean, we, when we were on vacation before, we always had an idea roughly where we want to go. But... When we went to Asia, for example, we never booked hotels in advance. So we just had an airplane ticket. We arrived. We might have the reserved the first night. But then for the next four weeks, we just thought, this is the area we want to go to. And we talked to people. And if someone said, you know, there's this really interesting temple to visit. Yeah. And it might be like three hours away from where we are. And we just thought, well... Oh, it, it, they liked it, the way they explained it. Mm. It could be something for us. Why don't we just go there? Mm. And just to be open and, and have the time, mm. um, I think that's for me one of the things where, mm. where I learned a lot about myself. What, what is the, the, the power or the value of that type of spontaneity? <laughs> you, 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 you arrived in these places and you had no hotel booked and yet you were just happy to be that spontaneous can you describe what's the value of that approach mm. that spontaneous mm. approach what does it deliver to you that approach for me for me it's the opportunity to see things and experience things yeah. I might have not seen before because they are not in a guidebook and yeah. you can like follow the guidebook, plan your vacation yeah. and you probably do what most people do and it can be a really great experience. Yeah. But to go a little bit off the beaten track, to go somewhere where you might not understand the language, where people don't speak English, you interact very, very differently. Yeah. You learn a lot more about people and how they live than you might do otherwise. But you need to bring time. By having those experiences, do you also learn more about self? Always, <laughs> always, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I, would, I, I would also say the main value of that is basically the value of chance encounters. Mm. Elaborate, please. Well, ultimately, we are here because of a chance encounter. Amazing, yeah. So, and and that's about it. And the chance encounters could be uh, people we meet, uh, places we visit only because of chance encounters, yeah. uh, experiences we have. Yeah. And without those chance encounters, or without the openness for that flexibility, we wouldn't have that. Yeah. Now, 
is it always a hundred percent cool and better and i don't know i mean obviously we also people tell us well this is really cool and we go there and we think like i could have spared that there was no need to do that but but i mean that's life yeah and yeah. Uh, when you travel i mean there is the saying of you win some you lose some that's yeah. definitely true and for us that's the way to go and for others it's uh, rather a i book uh, a full schedule for two weeks and they are happy with it uh, i wouldn't judge on sort of what's better um, sure. or worse uh, yeah. it's just uh, we know we know what what makes us happy yeah 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 but i think i experienced a a value or how valuable that chance encounter or that space is and I, I think I experienced it from both of you this afternoon because I asked you how much longer are you going to be staying in Brisbane <laughs> and you said to me that yesterday you got news that the repair on the mast wasn't going quite as well as you hoped it was going and you were going to be delayed another week so you saw yourself in here in Brisbane another two weeks. This is unplanned. This was not part of the yeah. <laughs> of the plan. Yeah. So to, to be fair to the people who work on the mast, it's, it's yeah. not about that the repairs don't go well. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're doing a great job. I just wanted to yeah. say that. Yeah. They're not <laughs> In my case they're listening. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Uh, no, they're, well, they're doing a great job. You, you can go and tell them that they've been mentioned on the Journey with Bernie podcast and we'll get another listener. <laughs> but here's my point. And then you said to me, Vicky, you reckon if you'd got that news, oh, I'm making it up now hmm. quite a period of time ago you would have said oh you would have grunted and groaned and then, this is not good news but now i think you said this afternoon you know words to the effect it is what it is <laughs> yeah no no you're totally you're totally right if if that had happened to us like two years ago we were like okay we have planned something we want to leave it, it's and, and it the question is what does it to me internally yeah. and I would have been frustrated, a little bit angry, uh, disappointed, all these things. Yeah. And when we heard it yesterday, I was more like, okay, now we stay another week, it's, it's fine. And really there was no frustration, no anger at all. It was just, it is what it is. We, we do have a vague idea where and when we want to go somewhere next. Yeah. But then we go with the flow. I mean, Brisbane is not the worst place to be stuck, you know. Love it. It's a, it's a great place. Go, Brizzy. And <laughs> there are so many things one can do here. So we we just have the opportunity to enjoy a little bit more here. And then we will get more boat work done, which we might have done either on, on, on the way up yeah. uh, north. So so it, it is really different. And, and I think it's these little moments where I see that something has changed in me. Yeah. To be fair, the interesting part for me will be when I'm back on land and I go back to a, a, a working life. Mm. How much of that can I take along? Mm. And what do I need to do that I don't fall into my old behavior and responses so yeah. that's going to be the interesting part but yeah. for the time being i really enjoy being the way i experience things right yeah. now can i just share with you on a on a personal basis my journey different to yours it's not on on a, on a boat but i i i find that when life gets really busy and starts to pull me from pillar to post. It's been doing that a little bit lately. And I felt at odds with how I want to feel. Why? Because how I felt previously has felt so, I'm going to use a funny word here, it's like maximized. I, I feel at the top of my game <laughs> when I have that space, interesting enough, you know. And I can also feel that, that, that when I'm being pulled and doing lots and lots of things, maybe urgently and reactively, um, I feel I must return. I'm very aware of, of not letting go because I've been there at that space. But the thing that occurs to me is as I 
move away from that space, I realise that I shouldn't just accept where I was. For me, what will pull me back is wanting to go further than where I was. Because to me, it's not a journey that stops there. <laughs> it's a journey that continues on. Mm. We all live in degrees and these things that we learn to value that bring us so much happiness and, and joy, uh, I live that to a degree. <laughs> but is there a higher degree? Well, I'm sure there is. And it's the pursuit for me of that higher degree that, um, that I'm aware of will take me back when I'm being pulled from pillar to post and away from it, you know. Now, I made that not as an education. I made that as a statement. Could you respond to that, Vicky? Do you mind? What's your response? Does that make sense to you? Can you, can you, can you see that might be of value when you get back and you start to re-enter into the world? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what goes to my head when I hear what you just said is the question, what does make you happy and yeah. what do you need to be happy and being on a boat you learn to live with little things i mean just you, you i mean a boat is not huge compared to a house so you have a lot less things than you might have in a house but then going to these remote islands and and that's the nice thing with a boat you can go to places a normal tourist doesn't easily go to so you see villages in Fiji, for example, mm -hmm. that are very off the grid. And it's just amazing how happy these people are. And they don't have anything. They might not have electricity. In, in some French Polynesian islands, they don't have water. So basically, they collect rainwater because there is no fresh water anywhere. And you meet them somewhere on the street and they just invite you and and you know they are so open and nice to you um and that for, for me that's fascinating because they seem very very happy and then when i come home and meet with my friends or or yeah former former colleagues from work they seem unhappy but they have so much so you just wonder right what 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 makes you happy and and i think it's very subjective for everyone it's something different sure um but that's that's really one of the great lessons i i learned yeah. during traveling you know you need well, to find your yeah. own thing that makes you happy well what, what, what did you decide when you saw those people in fiji and you're going you're happy what did you decide actually makes them happy <laughs> It's it's hard to tell. I would I would say, well, I I think it's really speculation here. One, one but but one thing is probably the sense of community. Yeah. You know, to to be together. But I also think, if you do not compare yourself constantly to other people or to things you see on the internet, yeah. that might be helpful as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like um. It's like, what are they attached to? Maybe they're only attached to people. <laughs> and, and, the and to the nature around, around nature them, around right? Them. Yeah. I mean, they live, with, they live with the nature. They go fishing. Uh, they, they, yeah. they live with the weather. So that's, that's very different. They probably can tell you every, every day you ask, what, what, mm. what's the moon like today, mm. right? I mean, mm. go to a city, ask someone, do you know when the next full moon is? Yeah. And they will say, um, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> do you know where the moon rises currently, in which direction? Yeah. Do you know where north is? Yeah. You know, most people in the city wouldn't be able to point you there because it's not something you might need in a city. Yeah. Also, yeah. occurs to me they've probably got a little bit more space mm. <laughs> um, in their lives. It, it, it occurs to me that, that, that one thing is absolutely certain, I believe, about life. I, know, I think you've described it being certain about yours. I know it's definitely certain about mine, is life is going to throw the curveballs. I would but agree, I, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and rather than be shattered by 
the uh, the dream falling apart, or the goal, or the or the destination now being delayed, you know, etc., etc. I think when one starts to learn, okay, life's thrown the curveball. A different environment has arisen. How do I now maximise my existence? How do I now maximise this moment? even though now the environment is not what I call for, but it's different. And therefore, I've still got to maximise this moment and adjust. Does that make I sense? Would, yeah, I, I would fully agree. And I think there is, there is one big challenge in there, and that's a question of how regretful one is. Regretful? Yeah. Well, what's because that about? Well, a curveball, a curveball to me, sort of that, that's my yeah. mental model around the curveball. It means that something's happening, which means the alternative is not happening. And up to that point, I was actually expecting the alternative, yeah. which, which yeah. might be better in my in my view. So it basically means due to the curveball, that better alternative is not there anymore. Yeah. You, you could argue now we we get informed. We, uh, our mass is coming coming back a week later. Which means, yes, you could see there's the opportunity to have an additional week in Brisbane, but you also can see it as I'm losing time for uh, one week. I could be already sailing up the coast here in Eastern Australia. And I can spend now a lot of time with regretting that. But and I'm laughing I'm, to myself, mate. You know why? Because I'm now hearing these chance encounters. And the value of this spontaneity and the value of these moments here. So who knows whether your your preferred goal is going to deliver something better than the chance encounter that now No, I, I totally agree. But, but, but my point is, so that's a challenge not to be regretful or too I regretful. Get ya, I get you. Because, yeah. because, I mean... In, so that to master, to mas master, I don't know, it's a big word, uh, but to have the ability sort of to say, okay, I, I might regret it for a split second, but then yeah. let's get over with it and focus on the opportunity. Uh, that's one ingredient, in my opinion, to be able to deal with curveballs yeah. in a better way. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, that, I, I admire so much the inference that I think you've learned to uh, really live in the moment. I've heard that. I've read it in books. Oh, my God, how many other Buddhist books do I have to read that talk about living in the moment? But you seem to be describing situations and you're giving me this real feeling that you know how to do that. And even if a curveball comes along, you still have the ability now not to dwell upon the regretful loss of the destination, but... Uh, Let's how do we maximize this particular moment? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, by the way, it doesn't mean that I'm not regretting stuff. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah, but it, yeah. the question is how much and how much yeah. energy you spend on it. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, you're going to be stuck in Queensland the way it's going. And you're going to see the first state of origin football match, mate. This is no regret. <laughs> this is very, very exciting. <laughs> you're going to be grateful life, that you're going to be. Life-changing event. <laughs> Vicky. Start to summarise it for you. What's your what's your greatest learning out of this magnificent two and a half year experience? If um, if someone just mm. said, just nail it, what have you learnt about life and and about mm. your life that you think is your greatest take home pay as a result think, of this experience? I think I. If I would sum it up, I would say for me. It's the letting go. Yeah. And it's letting go of concrete vision of what needs to happen. Mm. Letting go of things. Do I need to own so many things? Mm. I mean, everything I own is kind of, yeah, uh, hmm, takes energy, right? Yeah. You need to protect your things. Mm. So letting go of things. Also... Letting go of people who might not be my close friends and who are just more like consuming energy, mm. which is okay for a while, you know, yeah. but in the end it, it needs to be a, a, even, a even friendship, I think. So I think it's that letting go, not having the urge to hoard 
information, for example. I, I'm, I'm really I'm collecting information. I don't know if I ever need most of it, but I, I, I love to read. I love to yeah. collect useless information. It just sticks to me sometimes. Mm. Um, so just letting go of, of these things because it gives me more room for what is important to me. Mm. So for people I... I value and appreciate for mm. things I I love to do or for sometimes just for being by myself and yeah. uh, not doing anything. So uh, so I think that's my my biggest takeaway and you can pack a lot into that. So oh, I need absolutely. to let go of packing everything yeah, into yeah. it. <laughs> but I, I, again, I'm fascinated because before we came into this little studio here, you read a little post-it note out there that talked about, I think the attachment is the root of suffering. And now here you are talking about letting go and detachment <laughs> is sort of like the hub of uh, hub of uh, a little bit more peace, a little bit more calm, a little bit more more joy. Yeah, so there, like there is a theme in there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, a similarity yeah. to it. Yeah. Got another one mm. for you. Relationships. Mm. What's the eff What's the effect uh, of this trip? Two people. Married for 20 years, alone in a boat, two and a half years. Most of that on land, <laughs> a lot of the time on boat. How does that situation impact relationship? What has the relationship got to learn through such an experience that can add value to the relationship? Mm. It's really interesting because... We are sometimes in a very confined space. Yeah. And yes, we are a couple, but we are still individuals. So we kind of had to learn to give each other space wow. on a very confined <laughs> room. You've been married 20 years and now you're saying that you've actually learned what giving space to each other means? Yeah, it's it's. Uh. Well, it's it's giving giving space without giving space. Elaborate. <laughs> well, if you're if you're at home, you can go into separate room. We can't yeah. do that on the boat. Yeah. So giving space while we are still fifty centimeters apart. Yeah. That's the point. How do you do that? Well, it could happen that we just spent an evening together on the boat, sitting next to each other, doing totally different things. Yeah. And I'm, you, you know, just letting the other person be yeah. and and th then there are times where we sit like in the same distance and we have an intense conversation yeah. and and you just need to find the right time point for both of us to do the right thing together yeah. and that's a challenge yeah. and that's and that's really for me coming down to communication mm. you know we we communicate different than before we communicate very clearly and sometimes you need to communicate things you would normally I would not communicate in a regular life on man. Wow. Even I, to your husband. Yeah, I, I give you an example. I mean you won't believe it, but sometimes it <laughs> happens that I wake up and I'm not in the best mood. So whatever Florian does on that day, it will be wrong. And it helps him tremendously if I tell him in the morning, you know, I just woke up. I'm not in a good mood, just that you're aware. Because that means he knows it. whatever he does, it's not his fault. It's yeah. just me. Yeah. Normally, I'm just still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you just accept that <laughs> in advance. <laughs> and, and normally you wouldn't do that, right? You yeah. would get up, you have breakfast, you grumble a little bit, you go yeah. to work. Yeah. And, well, they might not know you're in a bad mood, but that's yeah. a different story. Yeah. So so I think that kind of communication is is very different. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about levels of honesty, openness, transparency. Is there, have you discovered a higher level of such honesty and openness and transparency to each other? Like in two and a half years on this boat and this magnificent experience, do you actually learn to take it, the communication to an even higher level? Well, of honesty, openness, and transparency. Be 
being together that close, there's not much you can hide. <laughs> so even if you try not to be transparent, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. I would say on the flip side, if you, so if you're able to manage uh, that, uh, that openness or transparency, uh, you'll make, uh, we, uh, we should say we, we, due to that, we made the relationship work in, in close quarters, so to say. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think it's just due to the setting for, at least for us, it requires a higher level of openness and transparency. Yeah. Uh, because that reduces uh, potential friction. Yeah. I mean, what is most most friction about? It's about like misunderstanding or having having a different view and and so on. And once you know the view of the other or you know the emotional state of the other, uh, then all that friction goes away. Well, not, not necessarily naturally, but it, it but it makes it a lot easier to deal with that friction. So that level of openness and and uh, and transparency. I think it's just uh, sort of, in a way, even required for a relationship in that uh, to work in in, 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 in that in, space. In quarters. But and you're able to take that with you now, that level of honesty and openness and transparency. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, it, I'm not sure whether it's per se because you used the word better for it. I'm, I'm oh. not, I'm not sure. I, I think it's just sort of in a different context, uh, yeah. sort of in a different setting. I'm pretty sure we take if if we move now onto a land-based life, we, we take part of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think as the as the requirement, if I may use that word again, is less on on land due to the setting, and if you have like different jobs and so on and so forth, I could um, or I would expect or assume that uh, that the that the Capability goes down a bit in a way as well. Because Capa it yeah. Yeah, capa I'm not sure whether capability is the right yeah, word, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. sort of the level, the, or sort of the, in a way, right now we do it quite natural due to the setting. Yeah, I get by, you. by now, it's something that we had to learn uh, during that trip. Mm. But I, but I think that will go away in a way as well. It will fade out in a way as it. far as it's yeah. not required, so yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, but, that, but that's an assumption right now. I mean, yeah. we haven't been there. Yeah. Ask but, us in two years. But what is interesting is that having been to this level, whatever that level is, you've had an experience of what it's like at that level. Therefore, having had that experience, you know you can go back there to that level. What I hear you saying is that contextually, you may not need to. <laughs> but You've been there because the experience that you've had took you there. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Sharing feelings over the last two and a half years, does the situation, has it enhanced your ability to share feelings? I'm not asking you what feelings you shared, <laughs> but, but a lot of people go through life and, and, and they, they're really good at sharing thoughts, they're really good at sharing ideas, and occasionally they might share a feeling. But does this situation enhance one's ability, almost forces them to share feelings a little bit more deeply, a little bit more often? I think there is a need to do that. Yeah. Or maybe it comes automatically because you do spend so much time together. Mm. And, and sometimes you don't even need to share the feelings anymore because the other one just senses it wow. kind of i think that that makes a difference yeah I, I think you pay way i mean coming back to early in the in in the in the discussion you pay way more attention to where the other one is not just physically but also emotionally i think that's that's very different than when you just see each other a few hours a day. So, so what I'm hearing you say is you become even more sensitive to the nonverbal communication of who they are and how they're feeling. It sometimes doesn't even have to be said. You're acutely sensitive to. I the other do person. think so, but it, but then I. I still think it's important to say that yeah. because some th sometimes you can misinterpret what you see yeah. and then you're in a difficult situation. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Hey, uh, seriously, you, you, you're starting to read my character and I could go on. <laughs> 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 Investigating, exploring and digging. Can I share a feeling with you guys? Please. Yeah, I have a, I, I have a hope and it's another one of those things that I've got no right to hope for because I'm not totally in control. But talk about a chance encounter at the bar. Florian and uh, it was just a hello that's all it was and then I learned about this incredible experience and I said can I deliver this beer back to my mate and do you mind if I come over for <laughs> just join you, join you for five minutes 15 minutes I, I later I left um, he, here's my hope you didn't have in the script that you were going to do a two and a half year boat trip that ended in Bernie Kelly's second bedroom, which he's turned into a podcast studio. But also, you didn't count on having a record of some description of your experience. And I know that the record and the memories are very well ingrained within you, but here is going to be um, a, a podcast, a, uh, a record of your experiences that started in July 2020 and up until May 2023, this podcast to some degree is going to be a polite summary. It doesn't even begin to touch um, all of the experiences. Mate, I am so grateful. Mate's an Australian word, pal. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we got used to it. We got used to it. Mate, I'm so grateful that I turned around and said hello to you. It's been wonderful to have had dinner with you both the other night and again uh, and again tonight. And Florian, can I thank you ever so much for being part of this well, podcast. Vicky, thank you. Salute to you, young lady. Thank you ever so much for both of you joining this episode. We are sailing, we are sailing. Are you feeling comfortable now, guys? Would you like to join me? I'm still not able to. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. You've Love just heard A Goodbye. Journey with Bernie. Bye. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Dear people, I loved it. I just love investigating and exploring these learning opportunities that each one of our guests provides. I hope it's the same for you. Of course, you may be after contact and connection details or references to any books that were made during the podcast. Why not go to the podcast notes? All the information is there for you, dear people. Some of you have rung me recently about joining our Nepalese adventures in 2023. Can you imagine it? You and I walking to Everest Base Camp over 14 glorious days or a similar time frame to visit the Gokyo Lakes and seeing the Himalayan vista outlined in front of us. What a beautiful experience for each and every one of us. All you have to do is ring plus six one 412-982-444. Have a chat with me and I'll have an information kit to you in no time. And why would you even consider doing this? Well, it's just all about the journey of life. And here yet is another opportunity. Just embrace it, dear people. Love your journey and always remember...